Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's great to be here on this warm morning. So recently, the other, about a month ago on, on Facebook, I was scrolling through and this article popped up and I was like, okay, this, this looks interesting. Because you get those articles and you go, this is absolute nonsense. But, but this one looked interesting. It was this man named Chris Burtish. He paddled across the Atlantic Ocean on a stand-up paddle board. So if you've seen those, it's like a really big surfboard looking thing that you stand on with an oar and you... He's looked nothing like that. It looked like a boat that he sat and paddled with one oar. He did it solo, unassisted and unaided. So he had to carry everything he needed, food, water, medical. He did this all by himself. It took him 92 days to cover the 7,500 kilometers. He paddled across this ocean by himself. I don't know much about paddling. I've tried about twice, and I think I did more swimming than paddling. So I've realized it's not my type of sport. But, but and I don't know much about paddling. I don't know much about the Atlantic Ocean, but Google does. So, so I asked Google, you know, what about the Atlantic Ocean? You know, is this like the easiest place to paddle in the world? And the response was that it's known for its varying weathers, hurricanes, and fierce winds. So I'm like, then again, I don't want to go paddle there. But this is what he did. He paddled across the Atlantic Ocean. He had a GPS tracker, so you could follow him on the website, and it like, showed you where he went and how fast he was going. And, and at the bottom, there was a little disclaimer. If Chris is moving back, backwards, don't worry. He's not returning home. He's just paddling into the wind. And, and that's the reality. So, so you might be wondering, you know, where are we going? Mark's telling you about his Facebook life. But, but there's a passage which I want to read. So if you want to turn to, to Matthew 14, verses 22. It says this. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. When evening... When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way away from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. It was in the fourth watch of the night when he came to them, walking on the sea. But the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you. Command me to come out onto the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sing, crying out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Lord, we just thank you for, for this day. Thank you that we could be here to, to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak now and, and, and change hearts, Lord. I pray for this in your name. Amen. So, so you again, you may be wondering about how I started. And in my mind, I see it in this way. You know, yeah, Chris was on his boat. He was, he was paddling across the ocean. He was, he was on this journey. And the reality of it is he was doing it alone. He was doing it by himself. And the whole point was just to get to the finish line. But we see the, the disciples, they were on a boat. 
And, and they weren't on this solo journey. They weren't on this, this journey of, of, you know, they want to reach the world record to do this, the fastest crossing of the Sea of Galilee. But rather, they, as we read this passage, they were on a journey to discover more about who Jesus was and, and how that actually applies to them. Because this is like almost near the middle of Jesus' ministry that we, we have like this recording. And, and they're still kind of in this debate of, of who is Jesus. You know, we, we're following him, but we're not sure. Um, this is the second time they, they're caught in a storm. So, so I think you kind of got a good track record of going, you know, they hel- he helped us last time. I'm sure he'll help us this time. Except this time Jesus isn't in the boat. He's not sleeping. He's on a mountain. And, and Je- this passage starts with Jesus dismissing the five, the 5,000, if you just, or the 4,000, yeah, 5,000. If you read just before, you know, as we, he fed the, the crowd with the, the five loaves and two fish. And, and, and this whole crowd was following him. And Jesus sends the disciples off and says, look, I'll dismiss the crowd. And one author says that the crowd has witnessed, and not only witnessed, but experienced the miracle of Jesus. And but they were by no means eager to leave on their own accord. You know, they wanted to hang around. You know, you, you follow this guy who's walking around preaching, and then he feeds you at the end of the day with like one little boy's lunchbox. And, and we want to see what he's going to do tomorrow for breakfast. I mean, I think I've got a loaf of bread somewhere. If we hang around, maybe he'll feed us again. So, so this crowd wasn't keen to leave. But, but eventually Jesus dismisses them. And, and then he goes upside, up on the mountainside to pray. And, and for us today, there's, I think there's three points we can take out of that. Firstly, it shows his willingness to do the Father's will. You know, that famous prayer of Jesus in the garden says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And, and that's his whole point for coming to earth was, was to do God's will. And for us, as we, as we seek to serve God, as we seek to, to make His name known, our, our prayer should be to do God's will, not just do, to build Mark's kingdom, but to build God's kingdom. It's easy to want to build my own kingdom, but, but it's hard to, to see where God wants me to build. So, so we need to seek and, and find Him. So in prayer, we, we come before Him going, Lord, what do, you want us to, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to go about this? And, and how do we face the day? Secondly, he's modeling a lifestyle of prayer. A, a insight into my life. I'm one of those people, you get two types of people in the morning. Those who wake up like a minute before the alarm and they're awake. And then they just like face the day. I'm one of those people that have like five alarms. And depending on which one I get out of bed means like there's a, there's a limited amount of time of what I have left to do. So it's like, okay, I can watch the highlights of any sport the night before. Okay, no, that's out. Okay, it's breakfast, shower, work. Because, you know, because I only got out of bed at seven. So, so I'm one of those people that have multiple alarms and, and it kind of determines what my morning looks like. And, and then there's one or two of those mornings where I wake up and it's half past five and I'm like, okay, this morning I'm going to pray. And the reality is nine out of ten times I wake up with my alarm going off, not going amen. That's, that's when I don't get out of bed. I'm just going to fall asleep sitting at the chair. But, but you know, if, I want to, if I'm lazy and want to stay in bed, I just, I just fall asleep. And, and again, Jesus here isn't modeling this, this idea of, you know, we, do, we need to go on the mountainside and pray all night. But rather, he's showing us the importance of prayer, that we should be praying. And, and, that's, the, and that's the key that he, he's, he's trying to say there. And finally, which ties in so well with this passage, is Jesus is on the mountainside praying for the disciples. John 17, where Jesus prays for, for, for himself, he prays for the disciples, he prays for us, the believers. 
And it's safe to say that as, as Jesus is on the, the mountainside here, he's praying for his disciples who are in the storm. It's not like he doesn't know what's going on. He, he knows what they're facing. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Jesus is in heaven making intercession for those who believe. And, and, that's, and that's where we, we start this journey today, that, that Jesus is praying for his disciples as they face the storm. And we see that the disciples are, are sailing in the storm. They, they're a long way from land. It's dark. And they're caught in the middle of the storm. They, they're paddling head on in, into the wind. They, they're beaten by the waves. The reality is at that point, they kind of felt like all hope must have been lost. You know, I'm doing this and I'm going nowhere. And, and we've just been tossed around back and forth. And today, as we, as we face life, we, we can get caught in the storms of life. You know, it may be that unexpected, unexpected wave that, that came this week. You know, you, you thought your boat was good on, on, on still water, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the storm arose. While others, I know that, that we, 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 you get caught in storms that, that have lasted for a long time. You kind of feel like you've been tossed back and forth, and, and you can't remember what sailing on smooth water feels like. The, the storm is the reality that you live with. And in that point, at that point, you know, moving forward seems hopeless. It seems impossible. It's kind of like, how do I do this? I'm just so used to this. I'm, I'm so caught up by this. There's nothing that I can do. But there is, and there's an encouragement from this verse that we can see, that even when we can't see Jesus, He still sees us. And that's what we can hold on to. If you're in the storm, Jesus is on the mountainside. He's praying for us. He's, the, that verse in Hebrew says that Jesus is in heaven interceding on our behalf. He's there for us. But at the same time, he's not just a distant hope. It's not just this, well, I'm stuck in the storm and he's on the mountain. That doesn't really help me when I'm in the storm. But the verse carries on and says that at about, between about 3 and 6 a.m., so it was the third watch, so it's just before the sun came up, it says that Jesus got up from the mountainside, he walked down the mountain, he walked across the beach, and then he walked across the water towards the boat. He walked out to his disciples when they needed them the most. And J.C. Ryle says this, Jesus walking on water should be seen as an encouragement. It reminds us that there's nothing that is created that is not under Jesus' control. He may allow you to be tried and tested for a season, to be tossed back and forth by the waves. But remember, the wind, the waves, and the storm are all under his control. And, and that's the encouragement, that, that it's all under Jesus' control. Even that storm we're in, it may seem like there's no hope for us, but, but Jesus is still in control. And that's the hope. Sometimes like we've got no idea what's happening, but we can trust that. And Jesus came to his disciples when, when they needed him the most. Uh, can you imagine they must, all hope must have been lost? They've been in the storm the whole night. And then, out of nowhere, they see this man, or this ghost, as they call him, walking on the water. And, and they cried in fear, it's a ghost. And, and in my mind, I kind of feel like that's the right answer. Because cause up until now, you know, the biblical idea was you just part the sea and walk out. You know, Jesus just walks straight on top of the water. But, but you know, there, there's this guy walking on the sea, and, and they cried, it's a ghost, like, in fear. And then Jesus says, take heart, it's I, or it is me. And it kind of seems a bit heart, heartless, you know. Guys, don't freak out, it's me. 
really like it, it doesn't make sense like that doesn't help but when you actually look at what Jesus says if you look a little bit deeper in, into those words he says take courage for it is I or it is me Jesus remember the things that I've done for you you know take take courage from that take courage from the things you've seen me do the past miracles you don't have to look very far in the disciples life you know lunch 12 hours before Jesus fed them with with five loaves and two fish and and it says at the end that there were about there were 12 baskets full at the end left over and, and in my mind I kind of picture those 12 baskets of food being in the boat with the disciples so, so remember the things that I've done for you. Remember who I am, is what Jesus is saying to him. Take heart, it's me. Remember the things I've done for you. Remember who I am. Call those to account. And, and that's the application for us as we face these storms. We, we can give up. It's easy to just go, you know, there's no hope. All hope is gone. Or we have the opportunity to call to account the things Jesus has done in our lives. Call to account the things where where, the times where, where Jesus has carried us through. And sometimes that, that's hard. Louis Giglio uses this wonderful example of, of looking at the finest painting in the world. You know, you can, you can look at it and, and you can see all the beauty and the majesty and, what, and whatever greatness there is. But the reality of it is if you look at it with your nose right up against the canvas, it just looks like a smudge. And that's what happens to us in, in the storm. So often we get so caught up in our, in our storm, in our heartache, in our situation, that, that it's, that's all we focus on. That's, that's the only place we look. That's the only place we see. And we, we don't see God in it. We don't see hope in it. We don't see the bigger picture in it. We, we just see that. And, and, and he, says, he says that we need a quarter account the things that Christ has done for us. Call to account the times God has been with us, the times where, where He's carried us through, the times where we've, we've gone through heartache, heartache and, and hardship before. And, and He says it's like kind of taking a step back. And, and though you, your nose isn't right up against it, you start to see a little bit more. Until eventually you get further enough away that you can see the whole picture. And, and sometimes we never get to see the whole picture because... Because the whole picture is God's whole plan. But the more, the more we step back and the more we see the times God has carried us through past things, we, we have hope to face what we're going through this time. And then there's this quote that, that I kind of feel like if I just said this and said amen, I feel like there's, there's, enough, there's enough here to go with. It says, the water that is over your head is the same water that's under Jesus' feet. So, so whenever you feel like you've you got no hope and there's no way to carry on and, and it's just like these waves are crashing over your head, that's the same water that Jesus walked on. That's the same water that's under Jesus' control. The Bible says that we won't be tried and tested beyond what we can handle. And, 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 as, and as Christians, we can take hope in that, that, that. It doesn't say we won't be tried and tested because we believe in Christ, but rather as we are tried and tested, so... So we can face it with confidence, knowing that, that Christ is there in it. He's standing in the storm with the disciples. He's not just calling from the shore, going, hey, come back to me and everything's fine. But rather, he's there in the water with them. He's in the storm amongst them. 
Secondly, there's, there's this opportunity to, to step up or, or sit down. And we, we see Jesus standing there on the water. He, he's, he says, it's me. Remember the things I've done for you. Remember who I am. A- and Peter, the, the, over, the overzealous, super excited disciple in my mind, goes, Lord, if it's you, you know, call me. Call me out. I want to join you. And there's two, there's two keys in that. You know, Peter goes, Lord, call me out. You know, I want to walk on water with you. And firstly, this is completely opposite to the fear that, that the disciples, including Peter, just had. You know, it's a ghost. I'm terrified to, oh, wait, Jesus, it's you. Let me walk on water with you. It, it's, it's a complete opposite of, of what, he, what he felt like five minutes before. And, and there's an idea that a correct understanding of Jesus drives out fear. When we understand who Christ is fully, we understand that fear is, 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 a lack, is, is doubting his ability, doubting who he is. And practically, we serve the same Jesus. The same Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, was raised to life. Understanding who Jesus is doesn't calm the storm. If you look at this passage, only at the end of the passage, when Jesus gets in the boat, does a storm cease. So, so Peter, still in the midst of the storm, goes, Lord, call me out to walk on the water with you. And, and underst- uh, correct understanding doesn't calm the storm. Jesus isn't a quick fix solution to, to still the waters, but rather he helps and gives us hope in the storm. We, we have an ability to face the storm with confidence, knowing that we're not alone, that he's with us. And secondly, Peter shows his dependence on Jesus. says, Lord, if it's you, then you need to command me to walk. And, and I hope I don't stand here alone. But as a kid, if you ever try to walk on water, did you please? Yes, three of us. You know, I, I was convinced in all my research that I did on it that it was always the second step that, that was the fault. So you would run as fast as you can and your, your foot would hit the water and then your, your next foot would come over and then you started to sink. So I was always convinced that the first foot like worked, like that was on water, but the, the second step... So then you'll just like run from the other end of the garden. And, and my, at my friend's house, we used to do this. And you kind of used, his, his yard was so big, you, you'd run. I kind of have a drinks break halfway through and then keep running to the pool. But the reality of it is we, we never got it right. You know, we, even that first step didn't work. That was, you were still sinking in the water. So, so in our ability, walking on water is impossible. But Peter's dependence resulted in action. You know, Lord, it's you. I understand who you are. You need to call me out. You, you're the one who can make me do this. Command me and I will walk. A- and he did. He got out the boat and walked on water. And, and as I was reading this passage this week again in, in preparing, uh, this, this thought came again that, that Peter got out the boat, but there were 11 other disciples who were still in the boat. There, there they were. They were... They were holding on to the edges in the midst of the storm. You know, they, they were holding it all as tight as they could that they didn't let go of it. You know, they had the opportunity to make the same ask. You know, there Peter got out the boat. They could have gone, actually, wait, Jesus, I'm next. Can I join you? But the reality is they, they held on to the boat for, for their safety and security. They, they had this opportunity, but, but however, the storm the storm seemed bigger to them than who their understanding of Jesus was. They couldn't find hope in Christ, but rather found hope in the boat. And, and, and as people today, we, we tend to do the same. We, 
We, we spend so much of our lives building these safety nets, this, this security blanket, if you, if you want, you know. As long as I have this and that and that, I'll be fine. As long as I, I have so many friends, if I have so much money, if I have so much in savings, then, then I'll be fine. But the reality is when the storm comes and, and washes those things away, it's like the passage we preached on Father's Day of the, the foolish man building his house upon the sand. You could build the greatest house you've ever seen. It could have 150 bedrooms, but as soon as the, the rains came and washed the sand away, so the building falls down. But the opposite is the one who, who built his house upon the rock. You know, the rains came and washed it away, but the foundation was strong. It was there. It was rooted and built in Christ. So, so the 11 disciples had this opportunity to, to make the same ask, except they, they didn't. And I feel like today we, we have this opportunity to either step out and go, you know, Lord, if it's you, call me out, or I'm happy just to live with the comfort that I have now. I'm happy just to stay put. I'm happy just to, to continue living my happy little life that I am and, and hope for the best. And finally, there's, there's the, the sinking of Peter. You know, Peter, Peter makes this ask, and, and Jesus calls him out on the water. He, he walks on water, the second person to do so. You know, there he is walking with Jesus on water. Bible doesn't say how long this happened, but I imagine he took a few more steps than just one or two. But then he, he kind of looks up, and he's like, okay, this, this is great. However, you know, I still see the storm. I still see the storm. The waves that are crashing past me are the waves that are crashing into the boat. And, you know, the wind that's like blowing me over is the wind that rocked us all night. And, and he starts to sink. It's important to note here that Peter didn't lose faith in Jesus. It wasn't like this was the point where he just threw in the towel and said, you know, Jesus, I don't trust you anymore. I'm over this. But rather he, he knew who Jesus was. He, he understood he was still he was like, Lord, I understand as you call me out. Like he had that faith in him. But the reality is that he allowed the storm to, to crowd out that. He allowed the storm to, to crowd out what he knew about Jesus. So this, at that point, the storm felt bigger than who Christ was to him. And he began to sink. And, and he must have sunk pretty quickly. But Jesus was next to him. And, and at that point, Jesus could have just commanded the water, you know, Water, support Peter again. I don't know how Jesus would have done it. But, you know, it had supported him before that point. He could have just said, you know, Peter, get up, you know, walk on water again with me. Except Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs Peter. He, he pulls him up out of the water. He, he pulls him out of the storm or out of the, you know, out of the water. And, and Jesus reassures Peter, like, you know, I've got you. This, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of, of your failings, I've got you. I, I'm still here. You know, even if you're doubting me, even if you, you think the storm is bigger than me, I'm still here and I've still got you. When, the road, when, 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 you, when we seem to be at the end of our road, when all hope seems to be lost, we need to know, we need to know and remember that, that Jesus is still there, that he's still got us, and we need to trust him in the midst of that storm. So there's just four points that I, that I want to close with of, of how, do we, how do we face these storms that we go through in life. And, and some of them may seem really easy, but, but the great part about those things that are easy is we, we remember to do them. If, you know, if it's like maths with quadratic equations, I still don't understand how they work. But I understand one plus one. 
So, so the easy things are the ones that stick. So, so how do we face these storms? Firstly, we need to trust in the presence of Jesus. Jesus has promised to be with us. John 15 tells us that, that when he's going away, he's going to send one like him, the comforter. So we have the Holy Spirit. We are not alone as we, as we face these storms in life. We're not alone as we, as we go through life. The verse Mark read this morning, just again, just ties in so well. You know, if we, if we go up to heaven, you are there. If we make our bed at the end of the earth, you are there. Regardless of where we go, Jesus is with us. He's, he has sent his spirit to, to be with us, to guide us, to comfort us, to lead us. So we need to trust in that. We need to trust that he is with us, that, that we're not in this alone. We're not facing this, this alone. Secondly, we need to remind ourselves of the promises of Jesus. Remind yourself of, of the faithfulness of God in the past. You know, the, the God who has carried you through, through storms, through trials, through, through difficulties, through the good times. It's the, same, it's the same person. Remind yourself of the promises that, you know, there's, I will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. That, that I work good for in all situations. Remind ourselves of those things. Thirdly, we need to remember the power of Jesus. If we, if we kind of have pit, this picture of Jesus as this baby in a manger, or, or gentle, me, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, or, or a nice Sunday school character, we're we never really going to trust him. But when we see him as the, the savior of the world, the, the one who, who died for sin, the one who loves us, the one who, who sustains all things, when we get a correct understanding of the power of Jesus, he's the one who walked on water, he's the one who calmed the storm. We need to remind ourselves of, of who we call out to. If we, if we kind of call out to Jesus and don't expect him to be able to do it, if we, if we doubt him, we're not going to trust him. So we need to remember the power. And finally, we need to remember the love of Jesus. We're we, we safe and secure in the love of Christ. In the storm, being caught in the midst of the storm doesn't make him love us less. It doesn't make him less of who he is, but, but rather he still loves us the same. And, and I feel like this is the, the encouragement in this, that when we understand the love of Christ, the storm, the storm isn't the focus. The difficult time is, is, not the, is not the thing we focused on, but rather it, it's on that we are loved and we are called and, and He's got this. So, so the challenge today is, is twofold. One, we, we need to understand the love of Christ. And for, for those of you who, who haven't crossed the line of faith, who are still searching I feel like this is the point of, of in the midst of the hardship, you know, where is your hope? What are we holding on to? What are we, what are we looking to for security? Do you feel like you're facing it alone? Is it, is it one of those things like all hope is gone because you can't do it anymore? This is where Christ says, remember who I am. You know, trust in my presence, trust in my promises, and, and, and embrace my love. You know, feel my love that, that I've poured out for you on the cross, that, that I died for your sins, that, that you don't have to carry this anymore yourself. I've, I've taken it for you. And secondly, for, for those who are here today who, who know Christ and, and love him, but are facing difficulties, I, I feel like we, 
we would fail to end the service well without providing the opportunity to pray with you, to, to just encourage you as you face these storms. That, that we all go through storms. It's not something that, you know, is, is selected. I think we selective. We, we all face them. We all go through them. But as, a, as we close, uh, I want to just provide that opportunity that, that if you are going through a difficult time and you'd like prayer, Mark and I will, will be up front. We, we're happy to pray with you, pray for you, encourage you, remind you more about who Christ is, and, and go from there. So I'm going to pray. Um, if you'd like to, if you, if you'd like prayer, you can come up. If not, um, we have coffee, tea outside. Um, if you'd like to make your way out there afterwards, Lord, we just thank you for for your word. Thank you that that you're the one who calls us. You've you've called us to <laughs> into your love, Lord. You've called us into into your kingdom to be part of your family, Lord. We we're so grateful for that. Lord, but just pray that as we, as we face these storms that we go through, Lord, that we will trust in your presence and your promise, Lord, that, that we know you are faithful. Lord, that, that we understand you are, you are, you are over the storm. Lord, the, you walked on the water, the, the same water that, that rocked the boat the disciples were in. And Lord, we are so, so grateful and, and thankful for your love, your, your love that covers us, your, your love that holds us, your, your love that reaches into the storm and, and pulls us out, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray for this in your... And we just pray as we go now, Lord, that, that we will remember these things, that, that you will, you'll help us to call them, call them to mind as we, as we face the difficulties of life, Lord. So, pray for this in your name. Amen.